Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Titanic of the Midwest. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. used to live very close to the Chicago River when I lived in Chicago for grad school. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do an episode on is something that happened right on the Chicago River. It's really, you can, you can walk across it. It's really easy. It's like 0.3 miles across. So like just a tiny jaunt. And yet 844 people died in it when a ship rolled over on its side. It is the largest loss of life from a single shipwreck in the Great Lakes. It is the SS Eastland disaster. They didn't name the boat the SS Eastland disaster. No. You're adding the disaster on air because then you'd be like, well, we saw this coming. No. (laughs) I mean to say it is the disaster. The ship is called SS Eastland. Did I not make that clear? (laughs) Oh, no. I was just like, well, you never know. Maybe they're. You're like, let's be clear. The ship was not called disaster. (laughs) The ship was just a normal, everyday, it was a tour ship. And in Chicago on July 24th, 1915, it rolled over onto its side while tied to a dock. Like, there's so much where if you looked at a ship that was tied to a dock in the middle of a very narrow river, very shallow river, you wouldn't think there'd be this much loss of life. But people gawked on the side of the river. Like, it's in the middle of the city. It's in the middle of downtown Chicago. And this boat just killed a bunch of people. And, it, and it's still, to this day, uh, Chicago does a big St. Patrick's Day festival, which is actually coming up. Woo, the year. Which happens in this river. They dye the river green, which, again, goes to show how small the river is. People just, like, party on the side of it in the middle of a huge metropolitan area. I mean, scientifically, and ships have been sailing and being made for a decent amount of time. Oh, by would thousands of years. How that, they probably were like, should we worry about it just rolling over? And Mm -hmm. everyone's probably like, no, why would we worry about that? No, I mean, surprise, surprise, a lot of neglect and a lot of human error went into this gigantic disaster. And we go and talk about it. I was commissioned in 1902 by the Michigan Steamship Company and built by the Jenks Shipbuilding Company of Port Huron, Michigan. It was named in May 1903, right before they took it out. After the SS Eastland construction, it was discovered to have some design flaws, making it susceptible to listing, which is an unnatural and kind of dangerous tilting, so it like wobbles and tilts. The ship was top-heavy, which became evident when passengers congregated all on the upper decks. Again, a dangerous way to find out that your ship has a flaw. During July of 1903, a case of overcrowding caused the Eastland to list, with water flowing up the gangplank. This was one of several low-pressure incidents, no casualties, etc. But later in that same month, the stern of the ship was damaged when she was backed into the tugboat George W. Gardner, 
During August 1906, another incident of listing occurred, which resulted in the filing of complaints against the Chicago South Haven Line, which had purchased the ship earlier that year. So we already have a nice little track record of the ship wobbling around, mayhem happening, nobody is dead yet. So they're like, meh, how bad could it possibly be? Oh, it can be bad. On August 14, 1903, while on a cruise from Chicago to South Haven, Michigan, six of the ship's firemen refused to stoke the fire for the ship's boiler. They claimed that they had not received their potatoes for a meal, which I get it. You got to get those carbs. Why should you stoke a fire without getting a full meal? It's insanity. When they refused to return to the fire hole, the captain ordered the six men arrested at gunpoint. Cool work culture. As that happened, two firemen stoked the fires until the ship reached the harbor. Upon the ship's arrival in South Haven, the six men were taken to the town jail and charged with mutiny. Shortly thereafter, the captain was replaced, a weird precursor to a disaster that would happen next. July 24th, 1915. Eastland and four other Great Lakes passenger steamers, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, Petoskey, Racine, and Rochester, were chartered to take employees from the Western Electric Company's Hawthorne Works in Cicero, Illinois, to a picnic mm, in Michigan City, Indiana. This was a major event in the lives of the workers, many of whom would not take any holidays. Many of the passengers on Eastland were Czech immigrants from Cicero. Of the Czech passengers, 220 of them would soon die. Also during 1915, the new Federal Seamen's Act had been passed because of the RMS Titanic disaster three years earlier. It was basically a sailor's rights act, giving them breaks, safety, days off, God forbid, basic human rights shit. The law required retrofitting of a complete set of lifeboats on the Eastland, as on many other passenger vessels. This additional weight was problematic, again, may have made it even more dangerous with the listing by putting on additional lifeboats. So it's like, great, a hat on a hat. Uh, It was then that the Eastland was already so top-heavy that it had special restrictions concerning the number of passengers that could be carried. Prior to that, during June 1914, Eastland had again changed ownership. On the morning of July 24th, passengers began boarding the Eastland on the south bank of the Chicago River between Clark and LaSalle Streets. Again, this is downtown Chicago. There are buses going by. There are high-rises at that point. Huge, huge city, huge metropolitan area. And this is about 6.30 a.m. By 7.10 a.m., the ship had reached its capacity of 2,572 passengers. The ship was packed with many passengers standing on the open upper decks and began to list slightly to the port side away from the wharf. The crew attempted to stabilize the ship by admitting water into its tanks, ballast tanks. I don't, again, don't really know what the ballast is. It's a, I think it's either, it's on the starboard side. Or maybe, is, it oh, the, is it in the gangway? Is it in the gangway? <laughs> aye, aye. Or is it port? Is it on uh, the port side? I don't... Mm, anyway, I'm a Jew. Uh, those okay. are all my those are all my nautical <laughs> terms. That's great. For, That's for, uh, knots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, knots and fish. Anyway, uh, they, nothing helped. In the next 15 minutes, a number of passengers rushed to the port side, and at 7.28 a.m., Eastland lurched sharply to port and then rolled completely onto its side, coming to rest on the river bottom, which was only 20 feet below the surface. Barely half of the ship was in the water. Many other passengers had already moved below the decks on this relatively cool and damp morning to warm before the departure. Consequently, hundreds of people were trapped inside by the water and then the sudden rollover. Some were crushed by the heavy furniture, including pianos, bookcases, and tables. Although the ship was only 20 feet from the wharf, and in spite of a quick response by the crew of a nearby vessel, again, nearby in this river that's 20 feet uh, deep, and this was by the ship Kenosha, which came alongside the hull to allow these stranded on the capsized vessel to leap to safety. Leap to safety. 
we're not talking a place in the middle of the ocean. A total of 844 passengers and four crew members, again, died in this disaster. The bodies of the victims were taken to various temporary morgues established in the area for identification. By afternoon, the remaining unidentified bodies were consolidated in the armory of the 2nd Regiment on the side, which was later transformed into Harborough Studios, you may know, uh, which was Oprah's studio and notoriously haunted. Maybe we'll do an episode on that at some point. Since uh, it's been demolished to make room for the McDonald's Corporation headquarters. So, interesting and storied site. In the aftermath, the Western Electric Company provided $100,000 to relief and recovery efforts of family members of the victims of the disaster, which is actually like a a pretty good chunk of money at that time. Uh, One of the people who was scheduled to be on the Eastland was 20-year-old George Hallis, an American football player who was delayed by leaving for the dock and arrived after the ship had overturned. His name was listed on the list of deceased in the newspapers, but when Fraternity Brothers visited his home to send their condolences, he opened the door unharmed. He would go on to become the coach and owner of the Chicago Bears and a founding member of the National Football League. His friend and future Bears executive Ralph Brizolara and his brother were on the Eastland when it capsized, though they escaped through portholes. Despite stories to the contrary, no reliable evidence indicates Jack Benny was aboard the Eastland, or scheduled to be on the excursion. Possibly the basis for the report was that Eastland was a training vessel during World War I, and Benny received his training in the Great Lakes Naval Base, where the Eastland was stationed. Ooh, again, all of this happened in like 15 minutes very quickly. Let's take a little break before we get back in the water. I want to talk about our sponsor, Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a puzzle game that you can play right on your phone, and it's really cool because you go through all these levels. I'm on level 80, solving challenging puzzles that actually engage your brain, but it's casual and it's fun. It's unique and exciting. It's a puzzle experience unlike any other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old. And it doesn't require the internet to play it. I am on level 130, which I thought was good. That is good. My wife is on 500. (sighs) Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weird darkness I'm Darren Marlar, host of Weird Darkness, where I share stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Recently named one of the best storytellers in podcasting for 2019 by Podcast Business Journal. Whether it's ghosts, cryptids, true crime, or creepypastas, you'll find it all in Weird Darkness. Episodes uploaded seven days a week. Search for Weird Darkness in your favorite podcast app, or listen now at WeirdDarkness.com. We're back. We're on land. We did it. Dry land. We're here. Uh, We got a bunch of nice comments on Apple Podcasts. I want to read them. Oh, I love a nice comment. Yeah, we, you know, the rating and reviewing, it's really helpful because, you know, some people might look at it and mm-hmm. usually some people say, we don't like this. 
but yeah, it's nice like when you say garbage shut yeah, your mouths but when you say you like it it's uh it's helpful yeah it, it gives me fuel it's my i take a lot i'm highly suggestible especially by external forces so you could make me or break me based on these comments well this one's gonna make you <gasps> i have one from always entertaining oh hello uh, ash d muse says always entertaining Mm-hmm. A highly entertaining podcast covering a wide array of spooky slash creepy slash true crime stories. Yeah, baby. It's a great listen that I've added to my routine while working, sitting in traffic, or walking the dog. That's, wow. That's, I hope that dog- That's our bread and butter, baby. Can handle the truth. And then Ender Binks Ooh. says great and funny. Great and funny? One of us is great and one of us is funny. I that's, will be both. Oh, I'll be and. Can I be and? <laughs> okay. I came across this show while hearing another podcast. What? Uh-oh. You're cheating on us? What? What's their name? It's Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> oh. Oh, listen, I would take it. <laughs> I instantly got hooked with their sense of humor, as oh, you can just hear when I said Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and Rebecca, you guys are hilarious. Oh. Rebecca, don't stop the F-bombs. Fuck. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I won't fucking stop. I'll never fucking stop. Fuck. Fuck. One more fuck. Fuck. Okay. I'll tell you where there's some other Mm F-bombs. Friendship bombs. (laughs) Jesus. At patreon.com slash ghost town pod. We have some bonus episodes. We're working on some today. I have some cooking. Ooh, you got some cooking? I actually, and this is something I just spring on you now. We'll have in Mm -hmm. the future. I have a part two to our Altadena (gasps) haunted forest. You? Because I went back. Altadena. How, you were so freaked out by Altadena. This How is, did you go back? When I tell you what happened when I went back, I, I think I may have cursed myself. Because you, I literally... You can't... We got a lot to do. You can't be cursed. How, how did I end up in a graveyard? Hold on. Let me ask you another question. Huh? How did I end up at a funeral with an open casket? What? I'm, those are the only clues I'm giving I, you. I, I, but I, that's where I ended up when I was in Altadena. Oh my God. And I was like, is this, this has got to be a cruel joke. Or I'm cursed. So I think we're gonna put that on the Patreon to kind of compliment the first return to Altadena. Yes, and then Jason return back. I mean, uh, yeah. again, uh, and we'll be back, and we'll be back. Oh, man, this this subset of LA has really done a number on you. Yeah. So I that don't like it. We'll be on Patreon.com/slash/GhostTownPod. Ooh, check it out. And now, should we get back to Chicago? 1915? Okay, let's do it. So this boat has overturned. Many have died. The first known film footage taken of the recovery efforts was discovered and then released during early 2015 by a graduate student at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I tried to find it, um, but uh, there's some pictures that kind of do a similar illustrative thing. But to find that footage would be incredible. Um, that's a tease. Didn't find the footage. Sorry. Take a picture. Look at a picture. Uh, Marion Eichholz is the last survivor of the capsizing and she, she's not a survivor anymore because she died on November 24th, 2014 at the age of 102. A grand jury. Okay. uh, Indicted the president and three other officers of the steamship company for manslaughter and the ship's captain and engineer for criminal carelessness and found that the disaster was caused by conditions of instability caused by any or all of the overloading of passengers, mishandling of water ballast, or the construction of the ship. Again, uh, after this happened, I I knew about it earlier, but I was like, what? who was punished for this? 
Federal extradition hearings were held to compel the six indicted men to come from Michigan to Illinois for the trial. During the hearings, principal witness Sidney Jenks, president of the shipbuilding company that built the Eastland, testified that their first owners wanted a fast ship to transport fruit, and he designed one capable of making 20 miles per hour and carrying 500 passengers. Defense counsel Clarence Darrow uh, asked whether he had ever worried about the conversion of the ship into a passenger steamer with a capacity of 2,500 or more passengers. Jenks replied, I had no way of knowing the quantity of its business after it left our yards. No, I did not worry about the Eastland. Jenks testified that an actual stability test of the ship never occurred and stated that after tilting to an angle of 45 degrees at launching, it righted itself as straight as a church, satisfactorily demonstrating its stability. Yeah, right. The court refused extradition, holding the evidence uh, was too weak with barely a scintilla of proof to establish probable cause to fix the six guilty. The court reasoned that the four company officers were not aboard the ship and that every act charged against the captain and engineer was done in the ordinary course of business, more consistent with innocence than with guilt. The court also reasoned that the Eastland was operated for years and carried thousands safely, and that for this reason, no one could say that the accused parties were unjustified in believing the ship seaworthy. Ooh, that's a lot of lives to have no one to blame. Jack Woodford witnessed the disaster and gave a firsthand account to the Herald and Examiner, a Chicago newspaper. In his autobiography, Woodford writes, And then movement caught my eye. I looked across the river. As I watched in disoriented stupefaction, a steamer large as an ocean liner slowly turned over on its side as though it were a whale going to take a nap. I didn't believe a huge steamer had done this before my eyes, lashed to a dock, in perfectly calm water, in excellent weather, with no explosion, no fire, nothing. I thought I had gone crazy. Newspapers played a significant part in not only publicizing the Eastland disaster, but also creating the public memory of the catastrophe. The newspaper's purpose, audience, and political and business associations influenced the newspapers to publish articles emphasizing who was to blame and why the Eastland capsized. Consequently, the articles influenced how the court cases proceeded and contributed to a dispute between the Western Electric Company and some of its workers regarding how the company responded to the catastrophe. So really, it sounds like the newspapers were very much a part of having no one to blame, especially big business, big shipbuilding. And again, too, Chicago is a place where there's a lot of merchants, a lot of ships going through. Jeopardizing the business was not an option. Uh, it was a bigger priority to let them go and let these lives go kind of completely out of the public consciousness. Carl Sandburg, then known better as a journalist than a poet, wrote an angry account of accusing regulators of ignoring safety issues and claimed that many of the workers were there on company orders for a staged picnic. And again, that's also really dark. The idea of these people, many of them immigrants, going to a picnic there for leisure and again, a, like a mandatory picnic? And being killed on the way to it is so fucked up. Sandberg also wrote a poem called The Eastland that contrasts the disaster with the mistreatment and poor health of the lower classes of the time. Very appropriate. After first listening to the quick murderous horrors of the disaster, then surveying the slow murderous horrors of extreme poverty, Sandberg concludes by comparing the two. I see a dozen Eastlands every morning on my way to work and a dozen more going home at night. Ooh, the poem was too harsh for publication when written, but was eventually released as a part of a collection of poems in 1993. 
After Eastland was raised on August 14, 1915, she was sold to the Illinois Naval Reserve and recommissioned as the USS Wilmette, stationed at Great Lakes Naval Base. She was converted to a gunboat renamed Wilmette on February 20, 1918, and commissioned on September 20, 1918, to train sailors for World War II. During August 1943, Wilmette was given the honor of transporting President Franklin D. Roosevelt, Admiral William D. Leahy, James F. Barnes, and Harry Hopkins on a 10-day cruise to McGregor and Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, to plan war strategies. On April 9, 1945, she was returned to full commission for a brief interval. Wilmette was decommissioned on November 28, 1945, and her name was deleted from the Navy list on December 19, 1945. During 1946, Wilmette was offered for sale. No takers. Surprised? On October 31, 1946, she was sold to the Hyman Michaels Company for Scrapping, and that happened in 1947. A marker commemorating the accident was dedicated on June 4, 1989, a little late if you ask me. This marker was reportedly stolen on April 26, 2000, and a replacement was installed on July 24, 2003. Plans exist for a permanent outdoor exhibit with a pro- proposed name at the river's edge. This exhibit would be located along the portion of the Chicago Riverwalk adjacent to the waters where the Eastland disaster occurred. The exhibit is planned to consist of six displays, each containing two unique panels, which will serve to illustrate the tragedy through text and high-resolution images. On Sunday, July 12, 2015, 100 years after the SS Eastland disaster, a memorial to the departed was dedicated at Bohemian National Cemetery, 5255 North Pulaski Road in Chicago. So I want to thank a lot of places, the Chicago Tribune, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, um, lots of different uh, Chicago historic resources. Imagine using that ship for various reasons after that or like a version of it and being like, okay, so boys, um, we're going to be training for for war. P.S. 850 people died here and a lot of other people got injured on this boat. I hope Mm -hmm. that helps. Yeah, does that, I don't know. Does that make you more encouraged? Like you're just like, yeah, like this let's boat do was it for made them. For destroying lives. Yeah, it's or it's just like, wow, yeah. a lot of people died on this boat. And if you're like a little bit superstitious or whatever, yeah. like how does that how does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, it really feels like the boat was doomed from the beginning. Like it was poorly constructed. It had a lot of people that were just letting it do whatever it needed to be done without any amendments. Or- I imagine people were just like in a building or at like a, a, a restaurant or getting a newspaper and like, mm-hmm. oh, there's that boat. That's interesting. That's like what? Yeah. in the middle of the road. Yeah. And then it just... It literally was. It just rolls over, which doesn't mm-hmm. even seem like it... Hearing it doesn't in seem like... In 20 feet of water. So the like the drowning isn't even the issue. It's just getting crushed. Whereas mm-hmm. if maybe you were in the you know open waters, maybe you'd have a fighting chance because yeah. you'd have room to move like the the, you know the space like there's no space for people to move so if there's space people to move maybe some people i don't know no exactly it's like you were better off if the ship was in a crazy vast ocean to be honest i thought the poop cruise one we did was pretty bad but i guess this is if you want if you need more like boat based yeah you want some boat tragedy yeah we we have one it's the poop cruise it's real gross um a little more recent than this one but just as horrifying I think this one might be a little worse. I mean, it depends. Uh, yeah, human death. Yeah, let, human you know, let's, it's even. Let's say you it's, be the judge. Yeah.